It doesn't matter what kind of group it is. It could be members of a family, office, church, a book group, or a knitting circle. All of us, at one point, have experienced the person who sucks the oxygen out of the room by taking over the conversation and basically holding court. Our question this episode: How can we break the spell of the dominant talker without causing conflict? Welcome to episode seventeen of How Can I Say This, where we talk about how to find the right words when words escape us. I'm your host Beth Bilo, and I'm super glad that you've joined me today. We're going to focus on a really wonderful listener question that was submitted that I think lots of you are going to relate to, even if you're not an introvert like the person who submitted it, or even if you don't work in an office setting, even though that is the context of the question. People who dominate conversations can happen anywhere, and here I offer some ideas on how to rein that person in. This is the question submitted through the online form by Suki, who wrote, "I would consider myself an introvert, especially around colleagues who are not. Currently, I work with a colleague who I find is overpowering, takes over any conversation, discussion, or debate. She always wants to know who I'm talking to and why." And she really worries that she will miss out on something. This leaves me feeling like I have no voice. When she is there and we share the same office, I find myself fading in the background. As an example, somebody will walk into the office and ask me a question, and she will actually take over the conversation either by interrupting or jumping in and taking over. And there are times I get so frustrated that I end up walking out of the office. How can I address this without causing conflict? As I consider this question, lots of other questions come to mind, such as, "Is this a person that's in authority over Suki?" Because there's no doubt it's discourteous to jump in and take over conversations, even if you feel the other person is wrong or you sense that they need your help. And I put "help" in quotes because that type of person might think they're doing you a favor, rescuing you from some sort of mistake that you might make or what they might perceive as a problematic situation. By even going down that train of thought, we're assuming best intent on the part of the coworker. The butting in isn't intentionally malicious, but rather based on a desire maybe to be seen as a team player, even if her definition of what that means doesn't match yours. And while most people in a professional setting wouldn't see that behavior as being part of the team, that doesn't mean that she holds that view. In fact, there might be a small case for assuming best intent. When Suki writes, "She really worries she will miss out on something." That's an indication that the interruptions and the habit of inserting herself into everything comes from insecurity, or maybe even FOMO, which stands for fear of missing out. She might not even realize that she's bullying you out of the conversation because she's focused on her own scarcity and insecurity. I might be making a big leap there, but it's always a valuable exercise when someone is behaving in this way to take a step back and ask, "What is this person afraid of?" On the surface, missing out seems to be top of the list of possibilities. If we continue to assume best intent, maybe she received feedback in this job or a prior one that she needs to speak out more, and now she's overcompensating, or she just doesn't understand. As Susan Cain, author of Quiet, says in her TED talk about introverts, there's zero correlation between being the best talker and having the best ideas. Some people think that in order to be seen as a leader. They need to be vocal. 
There's also a chance that she's an extrovert, and extroverts need to talk. They process verbally, whereas introverts process internally. Extroverts will thrive on social interaction, and they are probably more likely to need to be part of every conversation in the office. This doesn't mean that they should have total permission to talk to their heart's content, but it is something to consider. She might not realize that her style is alienating because, to her, she's just talking. And introverts often perceive interruptions as rude, whereas extroverts might see interruptions as engagement and enthusiasm for the conversation. That difference in perception can cause tension, even if it's not named. Her motivation might not even be important, and we may never know why she behaves in this way. The point of taking a bigger picture view is that we can more easily move from anger and frustration with that other person to a place of empathy. Who among us hasn't felt insecure or hasn't overcompensated or gone too far in trying to be perceived as strong or a leader? The need to address the situation may have been motivated by frustration. But that doesn't mean we want to hold that energy over into how we confront it. We're more likely to have our concerns heard if we can at least find some point of empathy. This challenge is as much about you taking back control of the conversation as it is letting your colleague know that it's not acceptable to hijack it. You might first start by deciding to address it in the moment rather than having a separate conversation about the behavior. For the sake of the examples that I'm about to offer, I'm going to name your colleague Jane, just to make these ideas clearer. Let's say Jane tries to join a conversation in progress. Before she can jump in, be direct with her and say, Jane, we need to finish this. Would you please hold your thought for a minute? Or you could say, I'm sorry, Jane, this is just between us right now. Can you check back later? Then the burden is on Jane to follow up, and if it's important or relevant, she will. If it's not, chances are she'll let it go. Suki, you mentioned um, sometimes being so frustrated that you leave the office. And I'd suggest that, you know, find times when rather than leaving the office, decide to stand your ground. Wait her out if necessary, letting her keep talking until it's obvious that Jane's causing a problem. Be mindful of your body language and try not to encourage her with head nodding or tilting your head. Listen without responding. When she's done, you could turn to the person you were originally talking to and say calmly, let's pick this up later, okay? Even if later is two minutes later in the corridor or in a conference room, you've interrupted Jane's participation without being overly confrontational. Another silent, introvert-friendly way to send a signal that her behavior isn't welcome is through eye contact. Try to maintain reasonable eye contact with Jane without being creepy, of course. Maintain a neutral expression while looking directly at her. When we look away when someone's talking, we're showing submissiveness. Social animals, like dogs, do this instinctively. They perceive eye contact as a show of dominance, and too much eye contact makes them uncomfortable, unless you've trained them otherwise. And people are much the same way. By making eye contact with Jane, you're probably going to make her a little bit uncomfortable. And if she's paying attention, she might get the hint that she needs to be quiet. You might also want to consider a shared human truth. One of our fundamental needs is to be seen and heard. 
If Jane feels like she's not visible enough, she'll assert herself to make sure that she's seen and heard. You could try validating her presence, even if your real instinct is to ignore it, and do so early in the interruption. Let's pretend that Suki is talking to Mark and Jane interrupts. Suki could listen and say, Jane, I see your point. Thanks for offering it. What I'm wondering, though, is what you think about our options. Mark, what do you think? Doing that acknowledges Jane, but redirects the conversation back to Suki and Mark. This is assuming that Jane's remark isn't relevant or takes the conversation in a different direction. If she does offer something of substance that contributes to the topic at hand, then acknowledge that and express appreciation for her statement. One is discouraging non-relevant comments. The other is saying that making a productive contribution is welcome. If done directly and consistently, Jane might start getting the hint. If you do have a direct conversation with her, reflect in advance about what you want her new behavior to be. Since she's a coworker and you're in an open office environment, it's not reasonable to expect her to go away and be quiet, even if that's what you really do want. Consider the following. How is her behavior impacting you and your work? What would be more respectful and courteous? What would be the benefit for her if she changed her interrupting habit? What could you show appreciation for? I can imagine a conversation starting like this. Jane, you have lots of ideas that I know you're excited and anxious to share, and I understand you like to know what's going on in different areas. What I've noticed is that you have a tendency to jump into conversations that I'm having, and that interruption disrupts my thinking processes and sometimes causes the conversation to get off track. I'd like for you to trust that if your input would be valuable to a discussion, I'll ask you to be part of it. That way, your time isn't wasted with stuff that's not going to contribute to your goals. Now, I admit my language is more formal than you might use with her, and there are obviously going to be different requests or benefits shared that you would tailor to that specific situation. The overall idea is to acknowledge and then pivot to what you're noticing and what you'd like to see instead. To be clear, this is not a feedback sandwich where you say, hey, you're doing great, but this is a problem. Hey, but keep doing a good job. This is not that. You don't have to praise her or offer lots of compliments. Simply acknowledge what you think is behind the interruptions, such as the sentence that I offered, I understand you like to know what's going on, and be clear with what the consequences are and what you'd like to see different. One more thing to think about. This type of situation is an opportunity to reflect on one of my favorite quotes, which is attributed to many people and to no one, so I'll just go with unknown. The quote is, we teach others how to treat us. Obviously, there are people who will treat you badly or heap abuse on you regardless of how compassionate, forgiving, or understanding you are with them. This is not to say that if someone is being abused in any way, that they somehow taught the other person to treat them that way. I'm bringing up that expression in the context of a professional setting between people who typically abide by the norms of acceptable behavior. If someone is treating me badly in that kind of situation, for instance, they're talking over me, interrupting, or taking over, 
It's worth it to do some self-reflection to ask myself how I might be contributing to the problem, not causing the problem, but contributing. For whatever reason, this colleague has learned that it's okay to interrupt, to talk too much, and to take over. I would ask myself, what role do I play in that? Primarily, do I let them do it without intervening or standing up for myself? Speaking directly to Suki, I offer this perspective not to be harsh and definitely not to say that the situation is your fault. That is not it at all. It's simply acknowledging that there's always a possibility that we have inadvertently enabled someone's behavior by choosing not to confront it or teach them differently. As an introvert myself, I can err on the side of not speaking up because I'd rather hope it goes away or that someone else will call out the bad behavior. It requires a stretching of my comfort zone to decide to take responsibility for whatever my part of the situation is, no matter how small it might be. Let me give you a quick example. Back when we first got married, Saturday morning would come and my husband would ask me, what do you want to do this weekend? And I'd inevitably say, I don't know, what about you? Now, I might have had some ideas, but I figured I could fit them around what he wanted. That's not really my personality at all, so I have no idea where that deferential attitude came from, except that I was young and didn't realize the pattern that I was setting up. So what was I teaching my husband through my response? It was that his preferences and needs were more important than mine. He didn't say they were. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked me. But I was sending the message that his needs came first. And if that pattern had gone on for too long, we might have fallen into the habit. And I would have eventually grown resentful and lost my voice. One morning, I had that, you know, stereotypical light bulb moment and realized what I was doing that I was basically giving away my power and, um, and not speaking up for myself. And ever since then, I've been more proactive about either saying first, before he can even ask me, here's what I'd like out of this weekend, or here's what I'd like to do tonight, or here's what I'd like to do on our vacation. Or if I say I don't know, it's because I truly don't know, or in some cases, I don't really care. (laughs) And I'm glad to let him take the lead as sometimes he's glad to let me take the lead. Now, that example doesn't have the same emotional charge as what it sounds like you're experiencing, Suki. And my hope is, though, that along with the other thoughts that I've shared, it gives you some ideas about approaches to try and what to consider as you think about and decide how you're going to respond to these interactions with your colleague. For everyone else, did you know that you can submit a communication question for a response on this podcast, just like Suki did? I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You'll find the online submission form at howcanisaythis.com. You can also leave a text or a voicemail 24-7 at 562-704-6643. You'll find that number on the Submit a Question page on the website. And lastly, you can send your question directly to me at beth at howcanisaythis.com. No matter how you submit your question, you have the choice to be completely anonymous if you like. And as we wrap up here, I have a quick request. 
Please take three minutes this week and let me and other listeners know what you think of this podcast by sharing it, leaving a rating, or writing a review. You can find links that tell you how to subscribe and leave a review in the footer of any page at HowCanIsayThis.com. I also welcome your feedback and questions through the contact form on the website. I appreciate hearing from you to know what you think of the podcast and what you would like to see talked about in future episodes. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thanks for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.